Hey, welcome to the Northeast Bowhunter Podcast. I'm Mark Dearborn. Across from me on the other microphone is Mr. Joshua Morris. Uh, Hello. Hey, it's uh, getting to be that time of the year where the shop's getting super, super busy with all the all the openers. You know, I, I know out west, a lot of the... Yeah, they're smashing antelope, antelope mule deer. And, dang, so elk, lucky. Elk soon. What do we have, like four weeks left or, or, or something like that? Till to, our season, yeah. To, to the deer opener. Just under. Yeah, actually, Just it's under. coming quick. So yeah, this is like the... This is the busy season, but not like hasn't really gotten crazy, crazy busy yet. I think it's because you guys everybody's have, waiting last minute. But yeah. also, actually, re- remember back at the uh, at the shop in like the end of June, we had like a crazy rush, and then the end of July, yeah, we the had end of July, third week of July, we had a crazy rush too of bow servicing. You know, um, I mean, thirty bows in on one weekend for service that was awesome. Yeah, it's funny because like I um. You get that rush, like everyone's, I think we've been pretty good about like sort of posting about like, hey, get your bow in here before. It gets yeah, we've been crazy. trying to get people in early because, because you always get those guys and we're still going to get them anyway, but like you always get those guys where they come in a week before season, they want new strings and a super tune and it's like, no, they don't. So stop right there. I know new strings are. What's a super tune? Well, it's funny you should ask. You know, it's actually kind of funny because we get that question all the time, not about, yeah. none of us, I mean, about super tunes, but other stuff, they're like, you know, so basically there's like um, just a basic tune up. And then there's at least at our shop and probably most shops too around the country, but this is like a basic tune up and then like a super tune up. We get the question all the time. What's the difference? Uh, we also get the question like, do you, uh, do I need a tune up or, or does my bow need to be tuned or we'll get, I just heard this one the other day, which kind of drove me crazy. He's like, well, I just bought a brand new bow, so it doesn't need to be tuned. It's like, well, well, wait a minute. Like, you bought a brand new, but like, they don't come tuned from the factory. Yeah. You know, you got to put an arrow rest. That's most of your tuning right there, or half of your tuning anyway, right there. So, um, so basically, like, for us, I mean, I can't speak for other shops, so what they do, but you know, the the way what we do and how we do it is basic tune up. You know, these bows need to be maintained it's just like your car you need to get an oil change you need new tires you know and all that stuff so these bows need to be maintained so in in a basic tune-up if you dropped your bow off for a basic tune-up basically what we're going to do is the the main three things of a tune-up would be your knock height center shot and timing so back it up a little bit so knock height what is what is that for someone so someone's listening to this podcast right now they're new to archery Mm -hmm. what is knock height so knock height, basically, if you knocked your arrow on the string of your bow, it, it could be level or or um, 90 degrees to your string, or it could be half an inch knock high, meaning when it's on, the knock end of the, of the arrow is really high, or the knock end of the arrow is really low. So knock height is the measurement of how high the knock is knocked onto your string. Right, right. And then, center and, then, shot. and then center shot would be the distance from the riser to the center of your arrow shaft. So basically, you can slide your arrow rest in or out. So either away from the riser or closer to the riser. That left and right of your arrow is your center shot. And then timing obviously would be the two cams of your bow rolling over at the exact same time. In, in sequence. like In sequence. So yeah. mo- most bows have some sort of draw stop, whether it's a, a limb stop, which would be a peg that would hit the limb of your bow when you come to full draw, or a cable stop where 
there would be a, a piece that would hit the cables of your bow when you draw the bow back. And then what that does, that stops the bow from drawing back and also sets it in the valley. Um, so we check those three things in a tune-up. And like I said, those are the three major things in a tune-up. And then on top of that, you would do like an overall inspection of the bow, um, wax the string and cables, stuff like that. And then overall inspection might catch things like loose screws, either a module screw or, or a draw stop screw or any cable guard screw, whatever it is. Like, um, and just today, actually in the shop, we were going through a bow and we noticed that it was a Hoyt, um, it was a, what was it? It was a Hoyt charger. Yep. And, um, the modules had a modules in it, but the draw stop was in the B hole. So, so the, so the, draw, the draw stops stop have match to be, up. right. The draw stops have to match the module. So if you have an A module, the, um, the draw stop has to be in the A. If you have a B module, it has to be in the B, blah, 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 so forth. So, so that's sort of stuff that we would pick up in a, in a basic tune-up. So then when we go to super tune-up, we start with all that. So we get your bow in, we take all the measurements of how the bow came in, and then we set everything to sort of what you would call factory specs or whatever, you know, or, or where that sh bow should shoot. You know, we tune so many bows, we know like, okay, this bow likes to be knock high or, or an eighth inch knock high, or this bow likes to be level, knock level, or this bow likes to be slightly top cam ahead or whatever. So we set the bow where we think or, or where we know that bow likes to shoot. And then we go above that and shoot, we do uh, paper tuning, shoot through paper. So what that is, is we shoot an arrow, your arrows out of your bow through paper at two different distances. Typically we do like six and 12 feet. So we'll shoot your arrow through paper at six feet. And then when you look at that hole through paper, you can see where the point entered the paper and where the veins cut or where the knock went through the paper. So it will tell us if your arrow's coming in, knock right or knock low. And then we'd make finer adjustments to the bow to um, to sort of correct that tear. So what you get, what people call a bullet hole tear. So there'd be a hole where the point entered the paper and then three cuts out of that hole where your veins went through the paper. Basically the front of the arrow is following the ass end of the arrow perfectly. It's, like it's exactly. in line. So back it up a little bit. Um, those first things, those first three things in that basic tune-up that center shot, cam timing, and knock height. I've seen bows come in that like the arrows, like the center shot's way off. It's, you know, the, the it's it's way outboard or inboard or whatever. And, you know, not to pick on like big box stores or things like that or, or untrained techs, but so why are those three things so important in terms of like bow makeup? You know, I've, I've seen guys say, hey, you know, I've shot, I've shot plenty of deer with this bow and I look at the bow and it's completely fucking whack. Like I'm like, oh my mm -hmm. God, it's like, your arrow sticking like it looks like it's pointing all the way to the left, but yet I mean, you still can shoot it. But so you why still shoot it? So you can make the arrow go forward, but a lot of it comes down to like your broadhead selection. So if you're shooting like, okay, so so say your bow is out of whack, your bow's messed up, you're shooting field points. Veins are gonna do their job and stabilize that arrow and straighten the arrow out, and you're gonna hit a certain point to where you move your pin. So the arrow impacts you're where your pin Kentucky is. Kentucky windage a little bit, like you're compensating? No, no, you wouldn't be compensating, but you would sight the bow in to where the bow is set, Shoot. right? So if you throw an expandable broadhead on there, it's going to act the same as your field point, if not the same, very similar to your field point. So it's going to impact in the same place. So 
probably if a bow's really out of whack and they've still killed plenty of deer, that expandable is going to hit where their field point hit. And if they killed plenty of deer with a fixed blade and their bow was out of the whack, they got lucky. Yeah, absolutely. Like that's it. So, so that actually brings up a good point. Fixed blades or expandables. If you're shooting a fixed blade broadhead, you should absolutely get a super tune every single year, every year, because it's, it's really, you know, a fixed blade basically is like putting veins in the front of your arrow. So veins in the front of your arrow are going to steer that arrow veins in the back of that arrow stabilize the arrow. So once you put steering capability on that arrow, if, if the arrow comes off and I actually had this conversation with a guy today at the shop, if your arrow comes off of the bow, say knock right. So the arrow leaves the bow, the knock end of the arrow is to the right of the field point with a field point, the veins are going to straighten that arrow out. You're going to be fine. But when you introduce those blades in the front, which like I said earlier, act like veins and they steer the arrow, your, your veins aren't going to straighten that arrow out and, and um, it's going to drive the arrow left. So knock right, an arrow coming out, knock right is going to impact left of where your, your field points hit. So actually it's a kind of a good test for guys. If you're shooting a field point, you're sighted in for 20 yards, whatever it is, and you're hitting right exactly where your pin is. Everything's great. You're shooting good. Now screw on a, a fixed blade broadhead and shoot and see where it hits. Yeah, is that fixed blade broadhead, you know, actually searing the arrow more than the veins, and the veins are just stabilizing that the flight of the fixed blade broadhead? Well, the the, the veins can't correct it. Yeah, so they're just saying so if that if that broadhead is driving that arrow left, the veins are just going to say, "Hey, we're going to go left with you," kind of thing. Well, yeah, the the back end of the arrow is going to follow the front end, no matter what. Yep. Yep. And the um the the blades aren't going to stabilize that arrow, so the blades are heading left, say. So the the veins are like, "Well, we're going left now. This is what's happening. You know, this is happening now. You know that that's what happens." Yeah. It makes total sense in terms of like having that tuned, you know, for broadheads. You know, we have a lot of guys come in and say, "Hey, my." man, I'm dead to nuts with my field points or I'm smashing, I'm smashing Robin hoods. And, and I throw a, um, you know, I throw a, a G five Montec on and all of a sudden I'm shooting four inches left. Right. So, 30 that, yards. so that's an indication that there's a problem in the bow. So, so like some, a lot of guys will shoot an expandable because they say, well, they hit where my field points do. I put in a fixed blade and I hit four inches left. Okay. Well that expandable is masking the problem it's putting a band-aid on the problem it's not fixing the problem you're both still out of tune yeah. you know what i mean like so that's so anyway so the reason for a super tune would be to make sure that arrow's coming off straight because if the arrow comes off of the bow straight even with a fixed blade on it it's going to remain straight it's going to stay straight and it's going to still impact where your your field point impacts so some things we would do we, we would make finer adjustments to the bow to make sure that that is happening, you know? So in a basic tune-up, we're going to set your timing dead on, right? But maybe your bow likes to be a little bit top ahead, and that, that could change your your knock height vertically. You know, if you have a knock high or knock low tear, you can adjust that with your cam timing slightly. I mean, you don't want your cam timing off by a lot, but you can have it off slightly to get, to get perfect or better arrow flight. And then the other thing would be cam lean. Cam lean is a big one, you know, um, uh, yoke tuning, people call it. I th I really like yoke tuning. That's what I do. So basically I set center Actually, shot. Actually, Hoyt says, you know, um, we were, we were, Josh and I were at Hoyt. I think if you listen to the podcast, the years are one. Um, 
know, we told a little story about Hoyt, but that's how they suggest to tune their bows in that top secret manual. The top secret manual. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, it's on my desk. I thought we weren't about to talk about that. Yeah. But anyway, so, so yeah, basically you set your center shot straight down the center, I guess, or what manufacturers say center shot should be. Basically what that is is your arrow is parallel to your limbs of your bow. So you set the center shot where it should be, and then from there, if you shoot through paper, and we've been talking about knock right tears, we would lean that top cam on some, on a bow like a Hoyt, you know. You can adjust that top cam lean. So that's a really good thing for tuning because I, as far as tuning goes, really want to have that ability to lean the cams. So I would I would, I would would um, yoke tune that bow. And th- this gets to a point, but if you were way too knock right and I lean that cam too much, then sometimes you have to revert to the arrow rest. And then there's other bows that have like a binary cam system, which doesn't have yokes where you don't have the ability to adjust that cam lean. And then your only option is moving that center shot left to right for a left to right tear. Or there are also some bows like the prime where they have a flexible cable guard with a screw in it. So you can screw the screw in to increase cable tension or back the screw out to decrease cable tension. So another thing you could do is mess with cable tension to fix a left or right tear. So, and that's not every bow, you know, there's some bows where you can't adjust cable tension and you can't adjust cam lean and you're stuck to your center shot left or right. Um, another, another thing would be that we would do in a super tune. If we get into that situation, we'll say, well, this arrow doesn't work with the bow, you know, yeah, so- underspined arrows or even sometimes like arrows that are not cut to the right length. That's a big problem. You know, a lot of times, We've got a lot of people I've seen in the last probably six months come in that arrows are way too long or are underspined or overspined. Well, a lot of time, like if you go into like a box store and get full length arrows, a lot, a lot of time they leave with a full length arrow, you know, yeah. they might need a 26 inch arrow, but they're shooting a 32 inch arrow. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like that's weakening the spine of that arrow dramatically. So, uh, so in addition to the prime, having that flexible cable guard that you can adjust cable tension on a lot of the older bows had a, like a, uh, it was usually a steel rod that came out of the riser that was offset that they had a cable slide that pulled your cables out of the way. You know, you, you need these cable guards because you need to pull those cables out of the way so the arrow can pass through and not have any contact on your cables. So an offset cable guard rod has a screw that holds it into the riser. You can adjust or rotate that offset cable guard and it will do just that. It will increase or decrease cable tension. So that's something that we would get into in a super tune. And then I've also seen other things like peep tubing affect uh, a tear. So it was, uh, I've had, actually had it a handful of times with like, um, I think it was Hoyt Chargers I was working on. And it's not just that bow that it happens. It's it's any bow with a, or it could be any bow with the, that has peep tubing on it. Um, Hoyt charges that I had, I was getting a tear that I couldn't get rid of with the arrow rest. And then I pulled the, the peep tubing off and all of a sudden the tear is gone, you know? So that's, that's just one thing that we would pick up on, on a super tune. So it's just super tunes is really a more in-depth tuning on your bow that we, that we would do, you know? So like I said earlier, if you're shooting a fixed blade broadhead, man, you gotta have a super tune. Yeah. And I know? think it's funny too. We guys come in now this time of year that want to kind of like, get their bows done now or actually. So our opener is September 15th. I had a guy come in last week or a couple weeks ago and say, Hey, listen, 
want to get my bow tuned, but I'm going to wait because I want to stay in tune um, through the season. And it's like, I asked him, are you shooting a lot right now? And he's like, I'm shooting a ton. So I'm like, you're shooting an untuned bow to get ready for the season. Hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I personally would rather have a bow that sort of shot really well. And then I practiced with that all summer and then going into the season and it had it sh- and have it, having it shoot really, really well, not have it be tuned. Cause I'm afraid the tune's going to go out of, you know, it's going to go out of tune in this two weeks I shoot it, you know? Right. So waiting till the last minute doesn't sort of make sense to me. No, it doesn't. I think, I think um, get your bow tuned ahead of time. You know, if you, you do it a two or three months prior to season, I mean, you're going to beat that preseason rush and you're going to have a lot more time to get behind the string of that bow and shoot and, and shoot the bow when the bow's shooting at its optimal performance. So there's, there's, um, there's a couple other things that like, um, that, so basically like when we get a bow in for, for tuning is kind of something that you guys can kind of pick up on, you know, one thing being, like I said, screw on a fixed blade broadhead and shoot it and see where it impacts as compared to your field points. <clears throat> but another thing is, all these bows, not all of them, I would say three quarters of the bows that we get in for tune-ups, if not more, are knock high and top cam is behind. Why is that? So so that's because most bows, when you're pulling on the, the loop of the bow, you know, you get a string loop, you knock your arrow, that loop isn't centered between the cams. Usually that loop is higher than center of the cams. So... If you're higher than center and you draw the bow back, that loop automatically wants to creep up. So that loop will creep up over time. And also, you can get center serving separation, and it's almost always under the bottom loop knot, and that's just because you're not pulling from the center of the string. So if you have center serving separation, that's hard to say, and your, your, your loop is like setting up, what does that do to your arrow flight? So, so what that's going to do, say you were shooting... Um, a fixed blade broadhead, right? Your your center serving separates under your bottom loop knot. Your your loop creeps up because of that. Now your arrow is coming off knock high. Now all of a sudden you screw on a fixed blade broadhead and it's going to hit lower than your field points. So that arrow is going to come off knock high. And like I said, veins can't correct it. So it's going to drive that arrow lower. So the front of the arrow is almost like pointing downward a little yeah, bit. Yeah, the front of, arrow, front of the arrow, the point of the arrow is going to be pointing down when the arrow comes off of the bow. And then the other thing that's um, common in in tune-ups is your top cam is rotating behind your bottom cam. And the reason for for that, like, again, we we talk a lot about Hoyts, but, you know, using the Hoyt bow as an example, your bus cable, which is the split yoke cable, which is the one that splits on the top that attaches on the outer edges of your your limbs that gives you the ability to lean your top cam, that is um, called the bus cable or people call it the power cable. And it's called the power cable because it holds all that tension of those loaded limbs at full draw. Your other cable just slaves the two cams together, so makes the cams rotate together. Um, so because that cable is your power cable, it, it takes up a little bit more, or it takes more abuse than your control cable does. Um, one reason, because it holds all that power. The other reason is it's attached to the limb, so when you shoot, it, it receives more shock than the other cable does. So when that happens, that cable stretches a little, or can stretch a little bit. So when that cable stretches a little bit, your top cam starts to slow down. 
So your top cam slows down. So now all of a sudden your top behind, your timing's off. So knock high and your timing's off. So one thing that you, you'll notice when you're shooting, something that you guys can kind of maybe realize at some point when you're out shooting, you're, you're sighted for 20 yards, everything's good, you're hitting great. And then all of a sudden you're hitting a little low at 20. You're hitting like an inch low, inch, inch and a half low. And all of a sudden, well, you make a little sight adjustment and then you're good, you're on target. You think everything's good. And then you're shooting a little by longer, you're shooting, shooting. Then you're a little bit low still. So you move your sight again. So what's happening is that that loop is creeping up. And then all of a sudden you're maybe three eighths knock high. And you don't even know it because you've made little slight sight adjustments over the last few months of you shooting. You know, few by few, I mean six to eight months, whatever it is, you know. Yeah. You've made these little sight adjustments to correct for this little problem, but you haven't really, it's a small enough adjustment to where you don't think that it's not like a red flag, right? Like yeah. nothing sticks out. Like, Maybe it's my, Oh my gosh, or... I'm not hitting a foot. It's not like you're hitting a foot low all of a sudden It's a little bit here and a little bit here and a little bit here. And you make these little sight adjust adjustments to fix that. And, um, what's happening is, you know, that loop is creeping up. So if you're out shooting and you, you realize, well, I'm hitting a little bit lower than I used to, Knock an arrow on that bow, cock up your rest if you're shooting a drop away or whatever it is, and just look at it and see if that arrow looks per, um, perpendicular to the string. See if that arrow looks like it's 90 degrees to the string, or does the knock into the arrow look a little bit high? And then the other thing to check for would be look at the center serving underneath your, your bottom loop knot. If you see that that's separated, I'm sure you've got had some some loop creep. So um, that's that's another thing that you guys can can take a look at, and that's... An indication that something's wrong with your bow, you know? And it's not a huge fix at the shop either. It's a really easy fix for us, you know, in terms of like getting it done. It's not like a catastrophe, you know, it's not like a dry fired bow. So it's like a thing where you can take care of it really quickly, get your back shooting, you know? And one of our good customers brought a friend with him that I've never met before, which is weird. Like, how is there an archer in the Northeast that I don't know or haven't seen before, That's right? right? <laughs> so this guy comes in and, and we start talking. He had, um, he had a Matthews Triax, and he was talking about he was hunting bear, and he was shooting great. You know, everything was fine. He goes on this bear hunt, and he shoots. And I don't remember, he either hit the bear low or he missed it. I think he hit the bear low, and I don't believe he got the bear. So I th believe the story was, I, you know, I'm shooting great, and all of a sudden I shot, and I hit this bear, bear really low, and I never found him. So what I said to him was like, I'm like, well, I'm guessing that your your loop had creeped up and your air was coming off knock high and it drove that fix because he told me he was shooting a fix, fixed blade. I'm like, your, your loop had creeped up, your air was coming off knock high, and with that fixed blade, it's going to drive that arrow low, like really low. It could be. I mean, if you're a really knock high, you could miss a bear at 20 yards. Yeah. Like shoot underneath absolutely. it with a fixed blade broadhead. So I told him his bow wasn't there, so I couldn't take a look at it. But I'm like, when you go home, take a look at your bow and look under the bottom loop knot. And I, I picked up a bow off the shelf and I kind of showed him exactly where to look and what to look for. I said, I'm guessing you're going to see a little bit of serving separation underneath that bottom loop knot. And if you do see that, I'm, I'll guarantee that your arrow is too knock high. And then you shooting that fixed blade came off and then it drove that arrow low. And that's what happened, you know? So, so he left and then it was either, I think it was that night he sent me a, um, a uh, Facebook friend request and I accepted it. He sent me a message said, Oh my God, I looked at my center serving under my bottom loop knot and you're 1000% correct. 
like there's there's some massive separation underneath you know so what separation means is you know the serving you have a material that's wrapped around the bowstring and when you look that that wrap they should be tightly wrapped together and then if there's any separation between that wrap you'll see the the strands underneath that serving and that means you have some serving separation and that's exactly what happened to this guy <clears throat> and then another thing would be um like uh new bows we talked about like earlier we get the question, well, I just got a new bow. It doesn't need to be tuned. Well, just because you got a new bow doesn't mean anything, right? Like, How many some, new bows have you seen come in that were, I mean, not at our shop, but come in that the draw length is completely wrong? Or like, I mean, I feel like almost everyone that comes in, it's like, and I always feel bad. There's a guy came in the other day, young kid. He was so excited. He got this new Hoy. It, it wasn't a new Hoy. It was older. I can't remember what it was, but um, he was so pumped. He bought off his buddy. 250 bucks quiver rest on it. It was just like pumped up. He oh yeah. Us. And it wouldn't fit him. Right. Yeah. It was, yeah. Th- this kid was all, it must've been a 31 inch draw. I mean, it happens looking a at lot. Him, and it was, um, 27 inch draw. Like, I mean, it was so short on this kid and it was like one of those sucky things. It's like he paid cash for it with, with a buddy. And I was like, like how tall is your, how tall is your friend? You know, like this is a 27 inch draw buddy. And it's like sucks breaking that news, but also we get new bows that are, that are completely adjustable that leave like a, like a big box store, not to bash on them. That's not, that's, it's not about that, but you know, it, it, we had one today that was um set probably an inch and a half too short. Yeah. Yeah. Her and bow then, was an inch and a yeah, half. Yeah. And it's just yeah. one of those things. It's like, you know, not set up for success, which kind of sucks for people. Sometimes. Well, the problem is people, people buy a brand new bow, right? They go out, they buy a brand new RX one or whatever it is. And they say, well, this bow is brand new. It's got to be perfect. Well, it really depends on who set up the bow and the bows oftentimes don't come from the manufacturers in time. Like they're close, yeah, but like they're not, they might not be exact. And then, like I said earlier, the, the main three things in tuning is knock height, center shot and timing. So two thirds of that is in the arrow rest. So who installed the arrow rest? That has nothing to do with the bow being new or not. You know? Yeah. And, and especially if you buy like a package bow, some of these package bows by like, um, um, bow tech or something like that, they come in the box with all the accessories already installed. So people in, they assume that their center shot is correct. And the knock height is correct. I'm telling you right now, it's not. Like, yeah. The they pipe isn't come, set. They, from the they, factory. they bolt yeah. the stuff on there. As fast as they it. can. Which is fine. Yeah. You know, I mean, they, I mean, the intention is to send it to a shop where people know the, the shop, the guys that work at the shop know what they're doing. They're going to set up the, the bow correctly. Um, the Hoyt leg package was, we sell a lot of Hoyt Power Max packages. Those ones that the stuff that's not bolted on the bow comes in a bag and we set it all up. But, but because you bought a package bow that was already set up by the manufacturer, doesn't mean at all that it's in tune. You yeah. Know? I think the funny and like I said, even if you go with a high end bow like an RX one, like that doesn't mean it came in time. And and like I said earlier, who put the rest on? That's yeah. two thirds of your tuning, yeah. you know, or two thirds of like what I would call a basic tune, yeah. you know. So yeah, just because you have a brand new bow does not mean you don't need it tuned. If you have a brand new bow, it probably needs to be tuned. And like I said, you can do a couple of those things. You know, you can check your kind of knock height. You can you can shoot fixed blade broadheads. That's a telltale sign. Yeah. Right, you screw in a fixed blade broadhead and shoot, and if it hits where your field points are, you're probably fine. If it doesn't, you need to have it looked at. I think there's two things too. We kind of sort of circle around and missed a little bit with that. You know, 
by no means you have to come in to our shop and buy a super tune or whatever. It, it's, that, it's not right, that's not the stuff. intention. I mean, I'm, I'm sure a lot of the people listening to this are going to be way far away from yeah. where we are. You know? And the thing about it is, you know, going to a qualified shop and having your bow super tuned or whatever they call it does a couple of things. You now we'll get into um, one. I think knowing that the um, bow is shooting perfect when it leaves, you Absolutely. can kind of know that, Hey, if I'm shooting left or See I'm where shooting, you're going with this, I like I, it. I'm shooting shitty, not the bow. The bow is <clears> shooting <throat> bullet holes out of the shooting machine. You know, maybe two step bow technicians have shot it and it's shooting perfect. Everything is set spec. So if you're, you know, you're shooting shitty at 40 yards, you're shooting shitty at 40 yards. That's the other thing. Yeah. So that, that's a, that's a really good point. The other too. thing we should just, I want to just broach real quickly. The other part of that, which we can do like a, just kind of give a hint about that is sort of that respect and um, being responsible for what you shoot at. Right. Yeah. So, so yeah, you owe it to the animals that you hunt to make sure that everything's perfect with your bow and also your shooting for a quick, humane kill. Right. So Ideally, right. In addition to this tune-up, I mean, you got to practice. You know, people don't shoot enough. Yeah. And that's that's one of the most important things. But so like what you said, like if we super tune your bow out of a shooting machine, which we use a shooting machine for a lot of our bows, if it's shooting perfect out of the machine, the bow is shooting perfect. If it's not shooting perfect with you shooting it, I'm sorry, a lot of guys don't like to hear it, but it ain't the bow. Yeah, you know absolutely. I mean? But that's actually a good thing, right? Because, I mean, if I was, when I, if I heard something like that, I would be excited to know, okay, now it's something I can work on. Yeah. Like, I'm, I can I'm gripping fix too this. hard, or, you know, or I'm like, too much face pressure. It's right. That, we did a little, we on. did a little test with a bow today. We shot through paper and, and then, uh, you know, we're shooting bullet holes with it shooting normally. And then all of a sudden we introduced a little bit of hand torque, like on purpose. Yeah. I torqued the bow over. That tear was massive. It was like a three-inch right. tear. It, it was, was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just from me putting pressure on the front of the riser with my fingers in the front. I squeezed the grip a little bit. The sight swung out to the right a little bit. And then that tear was horrendous. We had a customer come in recently um, who been shooting for a while and he's having a hard time because he's like, everything is like shooting left, shooting left, shooting left. So myself and one of the other Botex, we both shot it. It's shooting perfect. I mean, it literally was like, he shot a bullet hole with it. I shot a bullet hole with it. And then we're like, all right, it's not, it's not the bow, you know? Right. So we took him that outside, a lot. which we didn't do it often. And we watched his shot sequence and draws back. He anchors, he, he takes a deep breath. And right before he shoots, he has this weird target panic thing where he like kind of moves his hand away from his face and shoots. And I'm like, target panic is a really, really tough thing. So it's and like, actually some people don't even like to say the word. I know. So it's a weird right. thing. And that's going like, to be a separate, po- uh, separate podcast. Absolutely. We'll get into target panic And he literally, later, you know, it was totally him and he needed someone and he was, he was cool with it. it he knew it was him once we kind of went through it. Well, that's a hard thing to tell people, you know, yeah. it's cause I mean, we're all on the same team. We're all passionate archers or bow hunters or whatever we are, but we as men don't oh, like to admit that we're wrong. Right. That's actually probably part of the reason why girls are way better shooters. So my wife has probably shot, you know, if we, if we compared them, I shot like 10 million arrows and she shot 70. <laughs> And we played this little game in the basement, um, you know, shooting, shooting our bows at these little spots and, um, you have to hit all six spots before you can move on. And she shot first and she hit five in a row. And I was like, Oh shit. Pressure's on. I know. Baby. I, barely the made the I had to like be like, it's a line cutter for the sixth <laughs> one. But I'm thinking like, she just got her bow, but, she, but I can say to her, Hey, your hand's too high. And she moves it. No problem. Yeah. Well, they listen. So I think, I think the reason that girls are better shooters 
and as a general rule, like calm down, guys, relax. Yeah. General rule, girls, if, if you have a guy and a girl starting off at the same experience level, the girl is usually better because of a couple reasons. Girls pay attention to detail. And, and the biggest thing is they don't have an ego. So if I start like instructing two new shooters, guy and a girl, girl's going to outshoot the guy almost every time because she's going to listen to what I say and she's going to apply it. She's going to do it. And if I say, hey, you're doing something wrong, she's going to go, oh, oops. Okay, I'll do it right. If I tell Absolutely. a guy you're doing it wrong, they'd be like, I ain't doing this wrong. I'm a man. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, no, totally. I do all the time. No offense to anything. Yeah. But, but that's kind of how it is. You know what I mean? So, sorry, back to what we were talking about. The bow's perfect and you don't shoot a perfect. That's something you have to work on. And occasionally I have, I guess you would say, detuned a bow or tuned a bow to the shooter. I don't like, I really don't like doing that because. You know, anybody who knows me, I like things perfect. Yeah. And so know? having a guy come in the shop and shoot. um, So it, it, unless you're like been shooting a, like a million arrows or you do it every day, it's tough because like, you know, quick story, Josh and I were shooting, a, was it a whitetail freak or something? Or what, no, whitetail. Um, oh, yeah. Some, some PSC. Whitetail yeah. madness. And so I'm shooting I think it. Was a whitetail madness. And I hate shooting bows at a shorter drop. It just, it's weird for me. And so I shot it and I was getting a little, a slight left low tear and, Josh shot it from six and 12 and he got bullet holes. And beside the fact that it totally pissed me off and I shot about 15 more arrows. Um, Mark kept trying and trying I know, and I'm trying like, God for a dang. bullet hole. But it's one of those things. Everyone shoots differently a little bit. And um, so we had a guy in the shop earlier who bought an RX-1 and we mistakenly let him sort of shoot paper. And literally I watched him anchor differently four arrows in a row. And I'm chasing the tear. And then you can't, you can't fix that. And I can't you know, fix you have, it. You have to fix the shooter. Because then he's tearing left. Then he teared high. Then he teared right. So, so the best way is to get the bow shooting perfectly out of a shooting machine. And then try to fix the shooter. You know, and it, and it can be Josh tough to Josh's nickname at the shop is called, we call him the shooting machine, amongst other things. <laughs> I am called a lot of things. Yeah. Most of them not very polite. Not appropriate for a podcast, <laughs> but it's fine. So the other thing would be, you know, that's kind of related. So if your bow is shooting perfectly out of the shooting machine, your confidence level as a shooter is higher. And I think that, that the mental part of shooting is at least 50% of your shooting, right? It's got to be at least half of your shooting, if not more. The mental part of shooting is massive and, and I think massively overlooked. So if I go out someday and I shoot a lot, if I go out one morning thinking that I'm not going to shoot good. Oh, absolutely. I'm not shooting good. I don't care. Yeah. If I go out in the morning to shoot and I know I'm going to slay every X I shoot at, I don't care what the distance is. I'm going to. Yeah. You know what I mean, so you get this bow back that is perfectly tuned through a, a shooting machine. Your, your bow is perfect. You pick it up, you know, it's perfect. You have confidence. You're excited. You're going to shoot better. I got called out on that one time. Um, a friend of ours, if you heard a previous podcast, uh, Demo, who, um, who's a new shooter this year. Um, he was struggling with his, um, he hated the way his, like, so he was anchoring and he had a kisser button on. So I, um, first thing I did, it was I yanked the kisser button and I'm like, all right, let's get rid of this thing. And so he wanted to increase his draw length and half an inch. He felt like he needed to be a little bit longer and he was shooting a, a clash cause he's building his shoulder up. And, um, we actually, I actually did we get a little more, a little more like length out of it by uh, adjusting one of the cables and um, we brought it back and, you know, he anchored better and stuff like that. And he, 
and he started shooting better and he said, you didn't do anything to my bow, did you? And I was like, well, actually I didn't do that much. You know, you thought you got an extra half inch out of it and you were feeling more confident with your anchor point, but we probably got maybe a eighth of an inch extra or maybe a quarter inch extra. And it was just about him being confident in that shot and um, sort of that, so, sort of his anchor point there being a little bit longer. And and it was a little longer. I didn't lie to him, but it was like one of those things like he was fine with it. He's smart. Yeah, confidence is huge. And actually you brought up one one small thing there that 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 uh Demo was his name Demo or Demo? I think it's Demo. I think the S is silent because it's Greek. It's super Greek. Uh, well, I feel weird when I say I'm like Demos, but I'm like, I might be saying yeah. it right, Demo, Demos. Yeah. Anyway, he's we'll clear he's, it up. He's an awesome podcast. guy. I'm gonna yeah. ask him. I'll ask him. So you brought up a kisser button. He shoots a kisser button. Now he used to shoot a kisser button. I also told to. him you're never going to be fucking Dudley because <laughs> once I think you're five, five, six, maybe. And Dudley's like a, what? Six, four God. <laughs> so it was he, fine. Yeah. So see, so yeah, you brought up a kisser button, um, a kisser button. A lot of people use today as an anchor point and it can help some shooters, especially new shooters that are, I normally never recommend a kisser button. Unless somebody's having a really hard time getting a consistent anchor point. And then I'll put a kisser button on for him. But the kisser button wasn't designed for an anchor point. Absolutely. So the kisser, kisser button was originally designed for the it's draw a bow history here every, for you. Yeah. So the so you're pulling the bow to the same length every time. So with the older compounds, they didn't have a solid back wall like like the bows do today. So you could pull a bow back to 28 inches or you could pull harder. You could pull it to 28 and a half. You pull it to 29, you pull it to 29 and a half. Like you can pull it to wherever, right? So it didn't have that solid back wall. So people started using kisser buttons. So you stand there, you're standing up straight, you hold the bow, you draw the bow back without moving your head, having your head in a neutral position, draw the string back until the kisser button gets to the corner of your mouth and then you stop drawing that's so you're getting the same power stroke every single time. You're at the same draw length every time with the bow. But that then evolved into this is a new anchor point. So at the same time that that's evolving, let off on the cams on the bow is evolving too. Like you look at like the some of the newer bows, they have let off up to 90%, which is crazy. So yeah. So if What's the holding weight at 70 pound bow? With 90% let off. I don't know. I don't have a calculator. Like no idea. Seven pounds, pounds. Yeah, 70 pounds. Like so um, so when your holding weight is eight, nine pounds, whatever it is, if you drew, drew that bow back in a shooting machine, at full draw, you can take your fingers and move that string around a lot. You can twist that string into a circle almost. It's so loose. So when that, that string is really loose and, and limber at full draw, you put a kisser button on it, and then you bury that kisser button into the corner of your mouth while you're pushing the string away from your face. So that that does not do your favors for arrow flight. So I really don't recommend kisser buttons. Kisser buttons, the higher the let off you have, the worse that kisser button is for you. So I recommend Typically rid anything of you put into a string affects that bow and the way it shoots. I mean everything. Yeah, even the, even putting a peep sight in yeah. it, I mean, that's gonna rob it's not going to rob accuracy, but it will rub speed. Absolutely. You know? And a kisser button is going to do the same thing in, in conjunction with making it a less accurate shot because of the, the pressure on the string at full draw. It's also robbing speed from you. Yeah. I think that it's one of those things where you like, 
I pulled that kisser out for him. You know, I, I shot a kisser for a while, my first couple seasons, and I yanked it. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not bashing kissers or any of you guys shooting kisser out. buttons, you know. It flew out on accident, and I was going on a hunting trip, and I was like, well, not shooting a kisser. Well, that's a dangerous situation right there. Dude, dude, that's I an just, anxiety attack. Dude, I, no anxiety. I, I, I always full send. <laughs> I don't care. Reckless. Full send. That's not that's true. funny. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. that the, the kisser buttons, the guys that have shot a kisser button for 10, 15 years and they're used to it. As much as it's not good for their shot, maybe it will help them out because yeah. without it, they it's not going to be the same for them. But I never put one in a new bow unless someone asks me. No, I don't. I don't unless somebody asks or if I see somebody's really struggling finding a consistent anchor point. Because like I said, they were originally designed for draw length, not anchor point, but it has evolved into an anchor point and it does work. Yeah, it doesn't work for an anchor point. And so, if somebody is used, really struggling at getting an anchor point, then I'll throw one on for them. So, but. full circle, you know, with that and super tunes and basic tunes and bow setup, the, you know, the the idea is we want everyone to shoot the best of their ability. I get so excited when people shoot good. Oh, me you too. Mean, me too. Like, okay, a couple things. New people getting into archery and seeing that spark, absolutely. That gets me. That gets me going. The best. And the other thing the is we we set up a bow or tune a bow and get the bow shooting perfect, and then people get excited about how awesome they're shooting. Man, the that best gives moments me a high in the shop right this year, besides when Walter verbally assaulted me. Walter works in the shop. Just joking, Walter. Um, and my wife. I think he verbally assaulted your wife more than you. That's true. Long story short, it's inappropriate. Um, we're not going to talk about that. It, Sore subject um, is the fact the best moments have been when new shooters have Robin Hood arrows in the shop. Yeah, that's happened a bunch too. A, a lot. Actually, yeah. when, when I was um, before I started the shop, I left the old shop. They closed up. It was like a four or five month period there where there was no shop, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, I was working on setting up the new shop. So in the meantime, I was working at home and, and doing bow work at home, you know, building strings, doing tune ups for people, doing super tune ups for people. I actually had a lot of people showing up at my house all the time, which I'm super grateful for. And I actually call them the VIP club because of the people that came to my house. But I had like a stretch there where I had probably five or six people get Robin Hoods after picking up bows in one week. It was awesome. So in the shop, we have, it's funny when they first do it because you see they're kind of nervous. Sometimes it's not their arrows. And I've seen you before. We've done like a, um, we've you know, set up a, like, you know, cut and inserted like a half dozen arrows and you have a guy robbing one of the arrows and you've given him extra arrows for yeah, free because yeah, it's I like so exciting. For him, yeah. But we've had a, we had a 14 year old girl who bought a um, target bow, a, like a, Oh a yeah, Madness. that was awesome. That was probably my favorite Robin hood at the new shop. So Josh far. walks by and says, Oh, be careful. You're going to Robin hood. One of those. Yeah, She was shooting killer. Yeah. She shoots up at a uh, black sheep archery in yeah, Maine. Sanford, Maine. Yeah. Yeah. They have a range up there and she was shooting up there. She's a young girl, you know, she's 14, 14 or something like that. So, she got really into it and really excited about it. And she ended up coming down to the shop and buying this um, diamond medalist. Uh, medalist. Yeah. yeah. Target bow. And we set it up for like, we set up like, it was a sick setup for the 14 year old Absolutely, girl. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, like when I was 14, man, I would have loved to have something like that. Shout out to her moms. Moms hooked her up. So, uh, so yeah, she's shooting in our, you know, just starting the shop. Our, our big range isn't complete yet. So we just have like a lane, one lane for people to try out bows. So, she picked up the bow and she's shooting in the lane and man, she was shooting awesome. She was smashing extra. She was stacking arrows. And I'm like, 
You're being careful. You're going to rob my hood and arrow. It was like the next shot. Yeah. Like, crack. So, like, still she looked nervous. This thing. It, and then, yeah, yeah, she, then was she like, started smirking a little like, bit. Oh, my God. I broke your arrow. We were so excited. Like, all the guys came running out. That was awesome. Then, we were, like, taking pictures. We, we actually hung her. Um, she was the first arrow. We have a deer that has, like, the, the legs and the hooves, like, up. On the mount, yes, I think it's made for like holding a rifle or something. Yeah, like so that. we put yeah. all the Robin Hood arrows up there. There's quite a few up there. There's a bunch up there now, but yeah, she was the first one up there. That was she is so pumped. That was awesome. That was like the best moment in the shop so far. I mean, that was one of the best days in the shop. If you look up our Facebook page, we have that a yeah. picture of that. Patrick Archery on Facebook. But yeah, that was Hampshire. awesome. Yeah, that was one of the best things, and so that's about you know that is what it's all about is like shooting. You know, I, I want everyone to shoot a bow. Like, you know, it, it's. I want everybody to shoot a bow, but I don't want everybody hunting near my spot. That's yeah. that's the downside, right? So, like, I love getting people into shooting. I love getting people into archery. But then we're flooding the woods, too. Yeah. But that's all right. Whatever. I, I just, I love seeing people enjoy it. We want it. to see more target shooters. <laughs> Absolutely. <Yeah>. Shoot foam. <laughs> Absolutely. So, but yeah, I think the main idea. And the other, the other quick point is, you know, with that set up, you being confident in shooting, you're going to have make ethical, good shots on animals, which is the most important. Yeah, thing say, we we so. owe it to the animals. I mean, yes, what we do is killing an animal, and a lot of people have a hard time understanding that. But all of it, we're not killers, you know what I mean? We we don't want to see an animal suffer. I mean, the very last thing I want is for an animal to suffer, you know? So if I can, if I can buy making somebody shoot really well either through a lesson or through a tune-up or super tune or advice if i can make them shoot that much better and save the suffering from an animal i mean that's just a win-win and circle story once again it comes down to like you know just because your bow is super tuned doesn't mean you're gonna be the best archer it takes it just takes arrows and practice and consistency which is the um will it you know will it shoot great absolutely but will you shoot great Mm, you never know. So like I think there's no there's, there's a couple thing a couple things there. So make sure your bow's shooting as like make sure your bow's shooting perfect through a machine. So we take the human out of the equation. Your bow's shooting perfect. Then the second thing would be practice. So practice, 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 practice as much as you possibly can. Your bow shooting perfect, you shooting a lot. Your your confidence is high. Like I said, mental part of it is at least 50% of your shooting. So those three things in conjunction, man, you can shoot one of these new bows yeah. really, really well. Make it pretty easy to shoot. They're, they're pretty good. So just a quick couple of things. Um, pay the advertisers. We don't have any advertisers. But um, you can check us out on Northeast Bowhunter Podcast on Instagram, Facebook page. Yeah. Um, the shop to Kyder Creek Archery in Rochester, New Hampshire. We have a from Facebook and Instagram to check our Insta. Um, Josh is on Instagram too. At, it's at Josh Bow Expert. I'm on there at, at Behind the String. Um, we appreciate your support and um, thanks for listening. Uh, looking forward to some future podcasts. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. And so um, hit us up on any of those. If there's something you want to hear about or talk about or Maybe we'll do a Q&A coming up or something. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, we'll definitely do a Q&A. And uh, like I said on you know, our, our first episode, you know, part of the reason we're doing this because of all these questions we get all the time. So feel free to send us a, a question and we'll get to yeah, it. Absolutely. Once again, thanks. I'm, I'm Mark and that's Josh over there. Thanks for listening. Thank you. See you.